everyone, and welcome back to the Giant Take Podcast. Um, it's just me today, Alex. Uh, Josh is going to be in the interview, though, so stay tuned for that in a few minutes. We had on Bobby Skinner from Talking Giants. Uh, it was a lot of fun. We had a great conversation with him, so make sure to stay tuned. When I'm recording this tonight uh, on Thursday, July 14th, that is the day that training camp tickets came out, so hopefully everyone had good luck with that. Uh, I know Josh wasn't available. He was pretty busy today, hence why he's not here recording with me. Uh, and so I was kind of in charge of getting us our training camp tickets. And, um, I, you know, if you can tell from the podcast, Josh gets a little nervous when, you know, I'm in control of things like that, such important things. Uh, you know, it, it's hard to trust me with, you know, big, big tasks like that. But I, I was able to pull it off, so that's good. Um, so we're, we're going to be at training camp. We're not uh, sure the exact dates yet, but uh, super excited. We'll at least be there a couple days and uh, hopefully everyone got the tickets that they wanted, and I'm sure the Giants community, uh, we're all bit one big family, so if you didn't, I'm sure you know someone would be willing to loan out theirs, especially if they're not going, but uh, hopefully everyone had a good day with that. Um, You know, there's not really much to talk about in this intro, obviously, it's kind of the dead period of the offseason, so I'm not really, you know, Josh isn't here either, so I'm not going to like talk about a whole bunch of things. I would recommend, uh, you know, go watch some of those Giants Life uh, videos on YouTube. I know I'm giving them, like, free publicity at this point, but they were really good. Um, so I enjoyed those over the past, like, week or so in terms of Giants stuff. But really, training camp coming out. It does seem as if Fan Fest is not going to be available till next Thursday. At least that's what Art Stapleton said. I know a lot of people were freaking out when training camp came on. Uh, the tickets became available, and it was like, oh, my God, where's the Fan Fest? But, um... It looks like next Thursday for that, so, uh, you know, make sure to mark your calendars, I guess. Hopefully it doesn't crash like it did last year. Uh, I don't I don't know if anyone remembers that, but that was crazy. It was like you're waiting and the website didn't work. It was a whole big thing. Hopefully they got that all sorted out this year. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Hopefully I'll be at FanFest. I know Josh is going to be at FanFest, uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun these next few weeks as training camp gets going very, very soon. And uh, all those all, all those camp battles that we've been talking about for months now are going to finally ensue. So that's going to be really, really exciting. I believe that is it for this intro part. Uh, before we get to this interview, I want to talk about our sponsor, Manscaped. Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Uh, Manscaped offer, offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the Performance Package. Join over 5 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code GIANTTAKE at manscaped.com. Obviously, I'm like, you know, now that Josh is not here, he usually reads this stuff. Um, so I'm going to try to be like him and, you know, not be able to say all the words properly. So let's see how this goes. Uh, the Performance Package 4.0 by Manscaped has arrived, and oh man, is it a game changer. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a Travel Bag to hold all your goodies. That's a lot of stuff, so pretty good value there. Um, first off, the Lawnmower 4.0. This trimmer is the future of grooming, and dare I say, the greatest ball trimmer ever. I'm blown away by the performance and craftsmanship of this trimmer. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and also has a 400K LED spotlight uh, you, if you need a more precise shave. Because this trimmer is waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor. And also, as Josh mentioned, you could take it into the pool. I wouldn't recommend that, but. Uh, he said that last episode, so I guess I'll just repeat it now. You thought that was good, but want to take your grooming game even further to the next level? The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof, good to know, and provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate nose holes. The Crop Preserver Below the Waist Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Below, below the Waist Toner will change the way you approach your daily hygiene routine. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. So you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code GIANTTAKE at, manscaped, uh, at manscaped.com. 
That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code GIANTTAKE. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Now for our sponsorship or our uh, promotion here uh, for the Giant Take, make sure to go follow us on Twitter at the Giant Take Pod, uh, on Instagram at the same handle, and uh, make sure to give this five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening, and we'd very much appreciate that. And without further ado, I'm going to send it to our interview with Bobby Skinner. Enjoy. We are back now with a very special guest, co-host for Talking Giants and Simple Man Radio. Bobby Skinner joins the podcast today. How's it going, man? Josh, Alex, what's going on, man? I, I felt bad, I said before, but we were scheduled to go at 6.30 and 6.27. I'm like, I'm not even home right now. My bad, guys. But glad we were, glad we were able to get it uh, done and, and do a, a nice giant take podcast. How are you guys doing? It's a couple of weeks before we get any action at all. Yeah, I mean, it's been quiet, right? It's just like, it's it's kind of like that dead point in the offseason. Um, I know, as you know, I know you're a Nets fan, I'm a Nets fan, so it hasn't been no, dead for us, but, um, you know. The, you know, the, the three weeks where but, I'm supposed uh, to just, you know, get to enjoy whatever I want has been the Nets just ruining my life. <laughs> um, so all yeah, I, so I'm just hoping there's no Giants that get arrested in the next three weeks. All You need three more weeks and you're good for the rest of the year. Three more weeks, right? No rests, you know, no scandals, no anything, and we'll be we'll be all set for training camp, hopefully, which is exciting. Obviously, it's back open to the public, uh, so that's going to be really fun. What are your plans for training camp? You, you know, how many days are you planning on going? Are you going at all? Obviously, you're down in Florida, right? So I don't know exactly are, what you're Are you guys going to make it at all? Yeah, we're planning we're on going like a, a back-to-back days. thing. Like, if it's, like, one of those two days, we go, like, a Monday, Tuesday, so at least it's, like, Oh, we have content like this guy did this on Monday, and then on Tuesday he didn't do this, something like that. Yeah, they put it in bunches. Yeah, I'm, we're actually going to every single it's one. Um, you know, obviously the fan fest is, as well. But yeah, uh, the last two years we've been like training camp is a huge time for us. You know, like it's just we're putting out constant stuff, and the goal has always been for us to be at training camp. You know, and some maybe not every practice in the past, but you know, uh, you know, a couple of years ago probably wouldn't have been able to pull that off. But just some type sort of training camp. And the last two years, it's been miserable as we've been trying to like launch stuff that just hasn't had it. So yeah, I'm I'm pumped. You know, um, it'll. I'm not as pumped to you know not be home for two and a half weeks, but the actual Giants training camp. That's for me. That's like the most fun time of the year for talking Giants. Uh, one because the Giants have been horrible and the season's been been uh, been bad, um, but it's it's a lot of work, but it's like the most fun and less stressful work during training camp. So I'm I'm really pumped to get down there. Yeah, um, or up there. I mean, we we are as well. Obviously, little thirty minute trip. It's something that bad, even less. But um, yeah, I mean, we're excited to see them live in action. Uh, for for us, it's just the worry of getting on that on that Giants.com site within the. 24 hours of July 17th, whenever they're posted. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I don't know how that works with 14th. fans. 14th. See, Alex even has the date ready in his calendar. So, Yeah, it's like a mad... It's like a, um, um, just a, like a madhouse for it because people don't know exactly when they're going to go, so they just get as many as they can. Um, but we tried to do... Um, and LPG does it as well. Um, that if, they're, if people have extra ones, because they will, we try and, you know, put it out there like, hey, if you need three tickets for this date or whatever here you go so um <laughs> so hopefully hopefully they'll be able to yeah. do and i mean like if you that. remember something like that when giants fan fest the whole thing was like the new york giants last season were saying we're opening it up to everyone everyone we're making sure everyone gets a seat and then they're like giants fan fest is sold out <laughs> so it, yeah i mean you never know in the first two hours of 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 it being available, you couldn't it get crashed, the tickets yeah. because the everyone there was like millions of people on their website and it was crashing their webs. I mean, I remember sitting right here in this this seat looking at the laptop being like, come on, come on, like just trying my hardest. And I, you know, within five minutes of them posting it, and that was a total surprise too. At least this year, they give us a heads up like, hey, these are, these are the days yeah. that you get it. That was a total surprise. And there was millions, 
there had to be at least you know hundreds of thousands of people um, trying to get and obviously you could, yeah that was crazy you guys were able to make it there um and you sat down and you had the live show with lpg with tana and that was super cool alex always likes to look back because alex you know as the injury prone guy he is broke his foot or whatever during that summer. Mm -hmm. And we all ran the the lap for our head coach at the time, Joe Judge. So now he makes the joke, oh, I didn't believe in him. I didn't run the lap for Joe Judge, but it's just because he had a broken foot and he couldn't freaking move. So I don't know. He he always likes to make that (laughs) joke. You're not funny, but, you know, sure. I, I have a rant. I won't I won't spoil it here, but for our Fan Fest live show this year that I'm starting it off with, and it has to do with the Joe Judge lap. <laughs> Um, and long story short, not regretting it one bit. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. So, Alex, Alex, you just have to run a lap this year when you <laughs> get right. there. You have to make up for it. Do you believe in Brian? If you believe in Brian Dable, you got to run a lap. Maybe I'll show up in some cool sneakers or something to honor Brian Dable instead. What, what is he wearing? Those cement fours or whatever? Actually, I'll show up in cement fours, maybe, <laughs> if I can afford that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what it is. We all have to buy Jordans for Brian yeah. Dable and support Brian <laughs> so, Dable. So I mean, that wasn't. Uh, uh, I don't think I have the cash for that. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't just one time you were in. Uh, you were in the MetLife Stadium parking lot recently. Um, we talked to Justin about this when we had him on about a month ago. Andrew Thomas, you interviewed him in a van. Um, as Alex said, it kind of looked like you guys kidnapped him, but you talked to him for a for a good amount of time. You know, how was that experience talking with the offensive tackle? Yeah, you said recently, and I had already forgot we had done that. Um, that was cool. So, you know, um, obviously I do the O-line stuff, so the players that like us the most are O-linemen, um, specifically <laughs> the ones we talk good about, you know, like Andrew Thomas, Nick Gates, um, you know, Nate Solder, probably not a huge fan of me. Uh, so we he had, you know, we had talked just briefly over the last two years, you know, very quick, you know, not asking for anything, being like, hey, like, you know, pr- you know, proud of what you did this year, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then so in the beginning, of the, when the season was over, I was like, hey, man, we'd love to get you on the show um, either in March or after the draft, you know, because that's when we have our time to do interviews and stuff. And he said he was down. And I was actually going up there. We were supposed to do a charity event, which ended up getting postponed because of uh, weather. It was like a golf uh, like charity event. Ended up getting postponed. Um, and this was right around the time I wanted to interview, interview Andrew Thomas anyways. And John Boy Media bought that van. Like that's They, that, they own that van, which you're going to see that at training camp a lot. Um, so I just was like, Hey man, like, I'm going to be up there. Like, like you want to, you know, we come out into the, you know, we're, uh, record with us out after practice. And he said, he just said, yes. So that was pretty cool, um, that he was willing to do that. Cause he's not like the most outgoing guy in the world either. You know, um, like if we were, we were asked Nick Gates, he would have said, yeah, I thought I didn't know, you know, I didn't even know if Andrew Thomas truly wanted to do an interview or if he was being nice. So that was cool that he came out there and he liked us. Um, yeah. And I thought it was a, a pretty fun interview. Yeah, it was. It was enjoyable to listen and watch. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's not often that you get to, you know, it's not just like he's any random player either. He was probably the best, actually definitely the best player on the Giants last season. Not really saying much, of course, but. um, I know. And that was like doing our first in-person interview was a big deal, but then interviewing Andrew Thomas was a big deal. So now for me, it's like, what's next? So my next big goal is to interview a coach. Mm. Um you know, that could be a doubtful Dable. Um, in fact, I wouldn't even want to interview Brian Dable right now. I'd like to see some football and stuff. I, I want to see some stuff happen, you know. Um, you know, maybe a Kafka or position coach or somebody. So that's that's next on my bucket list for Talking Giants is to get to interview a coach because it's like we interviewed some players. Like, you know, we could interview more players if we really wanted to, but we try to not do a ton of interviews, uh, try and, you know, pick and choose our spots. So, I think next year's hopeful will be Evan Neal. I mean, you know, there's the O-line connection. So I think for next year, you know, we try to do like two or three player interviews a year. So next year's hopeful for players is probably Evan Neal. I mean, I think Kayvon would be great because of just his personality for an interview. I think he would be like one of those guys too that would be really fun to talk to. Um, Yeah, he would definitely (laughs) have fun with us. Yeah, I think he would. Kayvon's definitely on there. Yeah, Kayvon actually probably would love the van. So, but the thing is, is I want Kayvon to, this is the way we we try and do it is we, we want those guys to know us before we approach them for an interview. 
because then they just treat it like a press conference. You know, if you just like, if you just call, call or, you know, message him like, Hey man, you want to come on the pod? So that's like, we interviewed Brandon Jacobs. We interviewed him with LPG on, not because LPG, you know, needed to be on, but it was like, I want him to feel comfortable and know that like, we're, we're good dudes to talk to. Um, instead yeah. of just being like, Hey, you know, how was Super Bowl 42? And it was, you know, it was good. We play hard. You know, I wanted to get some real answers out of him. So, um, that's kind of like our interview, like what we look, that's like our, like a requirement for interviews is like, they have some sort of knowledge of who we are. So, I mean, you mentioned it already, uh, but Brandon Jacobs, we were going to me- ask you about that as well. You kind of had the viral clip of, on there of the interview when he talked about his hatred towards the Dallas Cowboys, which you brought up, which was just absolutely a, an amazing moment. Um, cause when you hear the players talk about their hatred towards teams, like fans think of towards those teams um it kind of gives you like a full circle moment so that was really cool yeah and like who on the giants hates the rivals right now you know like who who do we we know for damn sure hates the eagles or hates the cowboys you really don't know partly because the giants yeah. have sucked and there hasn't been hasn't really been a rivalry um you know and then with uh with jacobs it was like that that clip you mentioned like that was me kissing like my favorite like celebration ever is Brandon Jacobs, you know, throwing the ball as hard as he can at the playcock. Like I thought that was sick. That was in the playoffs, just bringing, just bringing like the intensity. Um, so we, we got some good stuff out of Brandon Jacobs. That was a, that was a pretty fun interview. Yeah. I mean, Brandon Jacobs, he, he was always one of my favorite giants players. You know, we've always been talking about right when, you know, next to Saquon, like we need that Brandon Jacobs type player. Uh, we've never really gotten it, so it's kind of like he's still that guy uh, for the Giants, and you know he hasn't played in however many, however many years now. I don't even know what eight, ten years. Um, but yeah, I mean it's funny, but I I love that clip about him because you're right. No one really has that grit, that passion anymore. It feels like that they're really playing uh, for the Giants, I guess, and you know hatred of the Eagles and Cowboys. I think the most, the closest you got to that was probably when the Eagles threw that game in 2020. Uh, with um, oh my God, who did they play? What was that quarterback? Uh, Nate. Uh, Nate Wash, oh, wh- the, against uh, Washington. Oh, um, the Nate, in. Nate, Nate Sudfeld. Yeah, yeah. I think that was like the, but that was more like online and you like Giants players commenting on Twitter and stuff, and that's kind of like the most you saw, uh, and maybe some beef afterwards in the games that came net the following year. But I mean, yeah, that's basically it. There's not like that same rivalry anymore. Uh, it seems like, but hopefully. uh, you know we get back to that very much soon i would say like the only player for that is is darius slayton like who has that social media presence especially on twitter doesn't voice his opinions towards certain teams but definitely is always active on on twitter especially the most giants active player on twitter i want to say tweets wise and i feel bad for him now it always i always do feel bad for players on social media when they're not in the good graces of the fan base Look at any Darius Slayton tweet, and the replies are like, "Catch the ball, you bitch!" Like it's just, it's just constant. Like people brazen. It's like this. Let's a guy use social media. Like you know, we don't need you to you know try and teach up his hands. Yeah, it's not like that's going to help, right? He's not going to become better at catching the football because you're roasting him on on Twitter. I don't think that's how that works. Yeah, so. it's just be it's <laughs> just truly being a jerk when you do that. You know, like even Evan Ingram at his lowest, I was like, the guy had to turn his Instagram comments off. Like leave the guy alone. Like he's not dropping the balls because he like is just does is bored that day. Like he's trying, you know. It's one thing if a guy's a like a jerk back. Like if a guy's a jerk back, you know, he's talking trash. Then it's fair game. But guys like yeah. Slayton and and them, it's like man, just let let the guy tweet about pizza in New Jersey or so or whatever. And they're human beings, right? It's like you know they know what's wrong. You know, like Darius Slayton knew how bad it was when he had that drop against Washington. Evan Ingram knew yeah. how bad that drop was against Philly, right? It's not like these these players are like oblivious to the situation. It's not like we have to tell them all what's what's going on, what's wrong with their game. Uh, you know, they're all professionals. They know. Uh, speaking of a professional whose career is starting to wind down, I guess, a little bit now, Chris Mara <laughs> demoted. Did you see that coming? I mean, I, I assume not because I don't think anyone saw that coming. Joe Shane's really the, the head of the ship now, the captain of the ship, it seems with that uh with that move that was really surprising like i was i was very surprised at that because obviously chris Mayer is part of ownership you know um 
you know, I'm sure people in the past have maybe wanted him to move out. So now this is where John Merritt pushes back on the stuff. It's like, well, Chris isn't that involved. Well, it's like, well, one, he is involved, even though he may not be, you know, he's not a huge, a big decision maker, but he's part of the player personnel side, you know, putting in scouting reports and stuff like filing that with the team. Like that's always going to hold more weight with, you know, the GM because you are ownership. Like your opinion is going to matter more, whether it should or not, because your ownership, you know, whether that's good or bad, you know, the Cowboys, you know, with Stephen Jones and like they, you know, and Jerry, like it's worked out for them. You know, they're good at it, but it's, it's always going to hold more weight um, than that. So I was very surprised that they moved him out of player personnel. Like I'm, I, I'm super intrigued. I wish some of the reporters have, would have done some digging on this of like how that happened. Like, you know, I don't think, you know, did Chris Merritt, you know, bring this up? Did, like, you know, this was the most heat that Chris Merritt probably got was this past year. Like, who, like, how did this come about? That's what I'm fascinated by, and I don't know if we'll ever get a good answer on it. And then I guess we can, this is an odd transition, but speaking of another professional, you, uh, <laughs> you know, in your field with John Boy Media and Talking Giants. Yeah, well, I, I'll say it, you make okay. half a million um, a year, don't you? I mean, that sounds pretty professional. Well, over, <laughs> over half a million. Oh, av- over. Sorry. Yeah, I never have given out the exact amount. It's just over half a million. Over half a million. <laughs> well, well, don't get too excited because you know there's a few the people who believe here. that. You know, <laughs> like there's people being like, you know, yeah, you, I mean, I see the Twitter comments. You should be like, you should really shouldn't flaunt your wealth. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like, come on, like leave me, leave me alone, okay. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I was <laughs> I was gonna bring up not not a highlight of the career, but but I guess you know just an unfortunate um, occurrence, which is during the Giants and NFL draft live streams this past year. Um, there were players that were picked by the team. Uh, you know, for us, it was Wando Robinson, right, bright and early in the second round, which we were live for that second round, and Alex had a a wonderful a wonderful reaction of. Who, who, who just repeatedly like saying that for about a minute straight. Um, and, you know, for you, Bobby, it was more like, oh, my God, I don't know enough about this player <laughs> type type reaction. So, yeah, it was I, I kind of hated the way that came out. But in the moment, it was frustrating because yeah. yeah. like you like you. We spent so much time prepping for the draft, like so much time. It's ridiculous. And and part of me thinks maybe I should like shorten the amount I spend on each player and, and just kind of get a a general basis for them. But it's like then, but part of me wants to like like be confident in what I'm saying and not just doing a quick watch through on a guy, um, you know. And this past year with the coaching and GM search, it put us back be like a month, um, so we weren't able to. It just it's like you know you do 140 guys and then it's like yeah you know, didn't do this guy didn't do this guy didn't do this guy so. Next year, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to work my ass off on it. But on draft night, I'm not going to stress about it. Because, you know what? Uh, you know, 99% of people who cover the Giants don't actually know about the guys. And, and we'll just work our asses off afterwards to try and, and figure out who Cordell Flawed is. I mean, I, I got to be honest. I've never, like, agreed with something or, like, kind of connected with something you've said so much. Because I'm sure, you know, I did nowhere near the prep that you did for the draft, right? You or Justin or anyone on the Talking Giants group. But it felt like, you know, I still put a decent amount of my time in, at least it felt like. And then when Wandal Robinson was picked and I was like, I've literally never heard of this guy. Um, you know, I maybe have heard of him once, seen him in the mock drafts, and it was so frustrating. Um, so I definitely understand that point. It was very infuriating. Um, funny enough, I knew who Cordell Flop was actually out of all the picks. I wow. knew who he was. Okay. Yeah. We, yeah. we knew Juan Dale, but we didn't really put any stock in Juan Dale. Cause it's like, you have Shep who's like better in the slot, Tony who can play on the outside, but plays mm-hmm. a lot in the slot and he's five foot. Like he's really short. Um, yeah. so that, that's another thing. And there was just, there was a lot of like receiver might be the position we looked at the, like receiver and interior offensive line, like guards and centers was probably the, the position I did the most research on, um, you know, and, and Juan Dale was just, we looked at him, but just wasn't on our radar. And then luckily Azudu, literally like I, I got to watch it on Josh Azudu like an hour and a half before round two started, you know? <laughs> so, and pardon me, wanted to be lazy and like, you know what, just, you know, they're not going to draft this guy. But there was, like, some rumors that he was, like, they liked him from their uh, 
their top 30 visits and stuff. So, um, yeah. So we had a little bit of a watch on, on a Zudu, but wasn't like super confident in my opinion on it. Yeah. I mean, and then looking at our fourth round. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Alex. Sorry about that. I I was just going to say that Azudu and then pretty much all the picks on day three, I I had almost no idea about. Um, It was just Flot and then our two first-round picks that I knew about. Uh, And the only reason I knew about Flot was because I watched a lot of Derek Stingley, and that's basically how I found out about him. So that was basically it for me, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I didn't know Flot. Didn't didn't know Belton. Um, Knew Bellinger. Bellinger was actually another one that I watched the day before the draft. Uh, like one of my last watches because I, I had watched basically all the tight ends except for Bellinger because I didn't have the coach's film on him. So I just watched like a, bro- a broadcast version of him uh, late. Um, and then Dane Belton, I was pissed off at. I literally had Dane Belton film downloaded on my computer. I just never watched him, you know, and I don't download like I download it when I when I need to watch it and then delete it. I downloaded it because he was mocked to the Giants in like the actually like the fifth or sixth round, like a couple weeks before, and um, I had never watched him. We knew Darian Beavers late, and then the rest of the guys I didn't know until we ended up watching him afterwards. Yeah, and I mean, speaking of Daniel Bellinger, um, taking over tight end one, the position there. Obviously, the Giants made some some signings this off season in the tight end spot. I think they brought in Jordan Akins. Um, they also brought in the guy who, uh, oh my gosh, Ricky Seals Jones. Thank you. Um, do you think in the beginning of this season, Bellinger can like come out of training camp and be the tight end one, or do you think it can happen eventually over time throughout the few weeks of the season or not even at all? It'd be interesting to see how the coaching staff is willing to let young guys play right away. Um, you know, some coaching staffs are not like Pat Shermer. That was one of my gripes with him is that he was not quick to throw young guys in. Um, but if there's any guy who's, you know, not Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal who should, like, be starting quickly, it's Daniel Bellinger because Ricky Seals-Jones is, you know, he's he's athletic. He can make some plays, but he's, a, like, a horrible – he's a worse blocker than Evan Ingram, you know, so you can't really trust him, and he's never put up – you know, he's not a great route runner. Like, he's just not a good – he's not a good starting tight end. Um, and then Jordan Aikens the same, is the same. He's not a good – you know, really a great tight end either, but, again, athletic and – you know, can stretch the field a little bit, but you know, he had Deshaun Watson as QB and never really put up any numbers. So Bellinger has like all like has the pathway to do that. You know, he can block, although I do worry that he'll have some issues starting off um, as a blocker. You know, he's like, I think he's a solid route runner. He could scoot with the ball a little bit. He catches the ball. Well, you know, it's all like one, you know, perfect motion. So I'm excited about Bellinger. You know, I, I tell myself, like, fourth-round tight end, don't get too excited right away, but I can't help. I'm very excited to watch Daniel Bellinger, and I hope he is a starter week one. Yeah, I mean, I hope so, too. I'm I'm a fan of his from the tape I watched after the draft, of course, because, uh, like we were mentioning earlier, didn't know about him. Um, besides the tight end position, obviously that's, like, the main battle I think a lot of people are going to look at. What's another camp battle that you're going to be excited to see, obviously, in person when you go to training camp? Shane Lemieux versus Azudu or whoever else is battling for left guard because Shane Lemieux is somebody who, you know, got injured all last year. But he's not someone I've written off. Like, he had a bad rookie year as far as pass blocking, was a good run blocker, and then got hurt to start. And it was only like 18 or 19 reps, but he actually looked good in those reps versus Denver, but not much, not enough sample size to really be definitive. But it's like I loved him as a, as a fifth-round pick. Like I thought that was a really good pick for um for Dave Gettleman, and I still do. So I'm excited to see. Like I think Shane Lemieux can be a solid starter in the NFL. You know they drafted Josh Azudu, but they don't need to rush Azudu in. Um, I really like Shane, like I like Shane Lemieux, and I'm excited. I'm excited for him. So that left guard battle is probably the one I'm paying attention to the most. Um, and then on the on the other hand is if Shane Lemieux is struggling, how well is Josh Azuda coming along? Like, could he start week one or are they still going to like take him along slowly? Uh, and then I just one like that. I have a question on is if the giants right now have three cornerbacks on the field at once, right? Would you say it's flat Adoree Jackson and Darnay Holmes? Like where does Aaron Robinson fit into that? I think Aaron Robinson's going right, to most of last year. Sorry. I think Aaron Robinson is going to be the second outside corner. I think it's going to be a Aaron Robinson and then Holmes in the slot. You know, fought. Uh, I don't know how how quick you could rush him in. The reason I'm not excited for that is because of all the reasons we just said. That's not a fun battle. That's like a who sucks. You know, 
It, 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 how good can Aaron Robinson be? Like that's to be known, but he's going to be playing the outside most likely, which he never, he didn't do at UCF. He didn't do last year for the Giants. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I've, cornerback is a position like I'm the most worried about for the Giants. And that's a position that if you're bad at can just destroy a team. Like you can put, you can have a good offense. If you have bad corners, you, you're probably going to be a really bad defense. Yeah, we still have nightmares about Isaac Yadam. I mean, he was terrible. I remember that phase of um, Giants play when it was maybe he was there for a few weeks. Those were some uh, tough weeks to watch in well, the secondary. Even Yadam, like Patrick, Patrick Graham made playable, um, but that was the defense he played, which is very yeah. different from what Wink Martindale is going to do. Where Wink Martindale is going to put these guys out on an island. You know, if Patrick yeah. Graham was the defensive coordinator, I would be a little less worried. Um now again, Wink Martindale is going to bring pressure, and he's going to bring the bring the party to the offense instead of the other way around. So it's kind of like a different strokes for different folks type thing. Um, so yeah, that's going to be really interesting to see how Wink Martindale handles having that cornerback personnel. And I always say about Cordell Flott, he's got the size in terms of the height and the arm length. If he can bulk up a little bit, get a little bit more muscle. I think he has the potential to play on the outside. That's kind of what I thought when I was watching some of his tape. And I think if he's able to, you know, bulk up a bit, I think there's a possibility he could be decent on the outside as well. Yeah, he's got like the the body and the uh, and the athletic ability that best fits that out of him, Robinson and Darnay Holmes. Darnay Holmes just flat out can't play on the outside, and Robinson pro- uh, might be able to. But Flaw, you know, he's you know he's long. He's he's really quick. He bursts out of his you know he's. He, Got good change of direction, burst out of his uh, out of his back pedal, uh, and he gets really involved in the run game and stuff. So yeah, Flot has like the best just ability. It's just how 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 good how how good does he like look year one, and um, how does he develop? And cornerback such a tough spot to project. You know, you see guys who go in the top five bust all the time. You know, DeAndre Baker was a a, a great man coverage corner at Georgia. He's, you know, not only did he have his own legal issues, but like he hasn't been able to get playing time for the Chiefs or anybody. So it's just a position that is really tough to, you know, Eli Apple. It's just a really, it's a position that's hard to translate into the NFL. Now, um, as you are an offensive line guy for our brand new right tackle here in Evan Neal, what would you say the main thing that he needs to improve on in order to become an elite, or you know what you would call "quote unquote" elite tackle uh, in the NFL? Um, in the pass game, I think he can do a little better, you know, protecting the edges. But I think he's going to be a solid pass blocker from day one. Um, in the run game, he could use a little more balance. He's a really good prospect. Like it's it's really hard to nitpick. Like you know, if I talk about Cave on, there's some things I can look at. With Neil, man, it's, it's he, he's really polished as a player. Like, you know, he's got good sets. Just maybe, you know, timing the punch and stuff like that better. But there's no, like, um, huge things he needs to work on. Like, you guys know I loved Andrew Thomas. I thought he was the best tackle in 2020. But I also was one person, like, he needs a lot of work. But that's also why I liked him. It's like he needs some a lot of work with his technique. But he's produced the best out of all these other guys with the need for that work. That's why I loved Andrew Thomas so much. Because so I was just like, hey, if this guy's a hard worker, he's going to be really good. Um, where Evan Neal doesn't need a ton of work. It's just getting used to that NFL speed, uh, protecting the inside a little better. Some Just some stuff that he needs to polish up. Not not He doesn't need to rework his pass, you know, his, his footwork. Doesn't need to rework his punch. It's just kind of getting better at those things. So um, you did mention earlier how it's like kind of like the dead point here in the offseason before everything kind of ramps up in about two weeks. So I promised my co-host Alex here, and you guys already kind of talked about this in the beginning, he couldn't contain himself, um, that I, I would give him a, a couple minutes to talk to you about the Nets you know, and, and your <laughs> franchise it. as you're about to lose your two-star players. So Alex, I give you the floor to take over. I need this. I need all the Nets conversations to rant as, as I can take. So I'm, I'm glad for this. I mean, the Nets, it's just like, I, I don't even know where to start. I mean, because it seemed like we weren't going to resign him. We signed Kessler Edwards today, so that was good. I didn't right? see that. I was that. happy I about was, that. I was surprised they didn't just sign him from day one, but that's good to see. Um, I don't know what's happening. I mean, I, 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 I think as much as, like, it makes sense for Kevin Durant to stay and Kyrie Irving to stay. 
Um, but Joe Sly, I kind of I hate him. Um, he's he's very he has just way too big of an ego to be running an NBA team. Like you can run all your business, but you have you it's a stars league. Um, but I'm also pissed off at everybody. Like I'm pissed off at Kevin Durant. Like, dude, you just signed an extension. You said this is where you're going to play, and you're going to leave at like the at the at the first sign of some adversity. Um, you know, in fact, Kyrie Irving's the guy I'm the least mad at. Like Kyrie Irving is a big a, a big part of this. You know, a lot of this stuff wouldn't be happening if Kyrie, you know, didn't, got vaccinated and stuff. But at the same time, it's like Kyrie is the only person out of all these guys who just wanted to play for the Nets. Like that that was the big gripe with Kyrie and, and Nets ownership was Kyrie wanted a max deal to play for the Nets. I understand he's not the guy, the most trustworthy guy in the ro- world, um, and he's definitely a, a a big part of blame. But he's actually the guy I'm least mad at in all of this. Joe Sly needs to get rid of his ego and try and fix this, whatever it takes. Um, Kevin Durant needs to grow up and and stay with this team and not like any team he goes to is not going to be better than what the Nets are right now. They're not going to have a better chance yeah. at a title, like because they're going to get ravished. Like the Raptors seem like the like the likeliest spot, and then you know you get uh, Scotty Barnes uh, uh, and and uh, I always forget how they pronounce this guys o- OG and Anobi and Anobi. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then picks. So it's like is a team of Kevin Durant, Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Fleet better than what the Nets are right now? No. no. The Suns like I don't think the the Nets are going to accept the Suns trade cuz the Suns trade sucks. They don't want DeAndre Ayton. You know, if you're not giving up Booker, it's nothing. And then um it's just like wherever Kevin Durant's going to go is not going to be a better basketball situation for him than with the Nets right now. You know, and that's all I care about is getting a title, one title. I've been, you know, I've, I'm a lot older than you, Alex. I've been rooting for the Nets my whole life. It's been a miserable uh, existence. It's the one. It's the one sports team where I, before they got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, I was kind of resigned to the fact that they're just they're never going to win a ring. The NBA is too hard to win a ring. You got to be, you know, a huge market. Blah blah blah. Obviously, the Nets are in New York, but they they just don't have that huge fan base. Um. Uh, so I just kind of was resigned to it. Like I, I, in my mind, I was just like, I was like, you know what? The best moments of being a Nets fan is going to be the Jason Kidd years. You know, like the the one that got away is always going to be, you know, 2003 game six, the NBA finals. We're up by double digits the entire game and the Spurs going on 19-0 run with eight minutes left in the game. Like that was going to be the highlight of my Nets fandom. And it's just, they got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. It's like, okay, they're going to get a title. They're going to get a title. And they would have in 2020 by the way. Like, they were the best team in the NBA by far. They would have won a title, like, kind of easily that year. Then Harden goes down in game one, you know, the first minute of the game. It's like, okay, we'll still, we're still winning this. And, like, dominate them in the first two games, and then Kyrie steps on the ankle, and that was the end of that season. But that team was, like, the champions. Like, it was, like, they were dominating the Bucs who won the championship. (laughs) I'm looking at the spot where I just was, like, on my you know the uh the, the the three to go to overtime like i had given up all hope the three to overtime brought me back life and then overtime just sucked the life right back out of me that's that's that was a miserable uh a miserable night that game 7 um oh, so awful yeah i just i thought i was going to get a championship as a nets fan that's all i wanted was one you know i didn't want i didn't need to like kevin durant or kyrie irving and be huge fans of them i just wanted one time to feel the, the feel what it likes to be a champion for NBA, which is like the Nets are my second favorite team, um, you know, after the Giants, you know, like they're the team that would bring me the most story for a championship after the Giants. So I just thought I was going to get that opportunity. And now it's, I'm realizing that I'm, that's probably never going to happen. But with all this, this stuff, what I'm hoping for happens, what I'm hoping happens that if they trade Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, I still wish they could figure it out and just keep them. Because it's better up, you know. Like I don't care about being a, a four seed and not winning the title. I just don't care about that anymore as a Nets fan. Uh, I did. It was fun in, in 2018, but now that's over. Um, I'm hoping that they can trade Kevin Durant to the Raptors, get Scotty Barnes, OG, and, and Obi, and then 
use those picks and Ben Simmons to trade for Donovan Mitchell. I know people aren't as high as Mitchell as they were probably two years ago, but I think Donovan Mitchell's the truth. And I honestly think the Knicks should trade all those picks for Donovan Mitchell. I think, I truly think Donovan Mitchell can be the best player on a championship team. Like that's a hot take right now, but I really do think he's that dude if he really dials in. And, you know, he didn't want to be in Utah. Second best player was a guy who didn't really perform well in the playoffs, didn't translate in Rudy Gobert. So I just went for five minutes straight and it's, you can see how much I just all the Nets have just built up all this anger and frustration inside of me. Yeah, and now I'm going to talk about the Nets for five minutes. So get ready, Josh. Buckle in your seatbelt. I just feel like it's frustrating because Kevin Durant, like you said, he's not going to find a better situation than he has right now. The only place that could possibly be that is the Warriors. And if he goes back to the Warriors, then he just looks silly. So I don't think he's going to do it. I don't think he's going to go back. I think that's smoke too. I don't believe that. Yeah, like you, I don't believe that's happening. That's the only team that's been brought up that I just don't think that's happening. Nah, he would look. It would ruin his whole legacy forever, right? Even if he moved to the Raptors or the Heat or the Suns, it wouldn't ruin his legacy. I think if he moved to the Warriors, he went back to the Warriors. That would be it for him. Um, but it's just I I don't understand Josiah Sean. I don't even think it's Sean Marks's fault. Actually, I think it's really just Josiah and and Kevin Durant, who are really just screwing this whole thing up. But if they can figure out how to get all these pieces together, you look at our roster right now, signing TJ Warren for the minimum. I think, you know, people are making fun of us. Josh was making fun of me, whatever it was, two days ago when it happened. He's like, TJ Warren's going to save you. I'm like, you know, on a, on a, as the eighth best player on a solid team, as a nice role player, he could be pretty good. I mean, you know, we saw him in the bubble. And that's what the that's Nets big. needed was wings. They they got Royce O'Neal and TJ. Like, they needed wings. That's what they didn't have yeah. last year. They were just too small. You know, you get Joe Harris back. I still – I don't know how you feel about it, Alex, but I'm just – I have no hope for Ben Simmons. Like, I don't – I don't. you don't ever hear me yeah. bring up Ben Simmons as a Nets fan because I just don't know if he's ever going to – like, if he's going to play and, like, forget the back injury. Can – like – have we forgotten that la- that series that ended it all in Philly? Like how pathetic that was? Like that was pathetic. So, you know, I bring up a lot of things with the Nets, but I never really like – like I-, I would like Simmons to be moved. Not for nothing, obviously, not just for the sake of it, but I do – I would love to get, you know, whatever the best package is for Ben Simmons. Like I would even take a package where you get like a really solid role player. Uh, not nece- necessarily like a superstar like Donovan Mitchell, but – and I can't think of a person right now, but a, a solid, solid player who could, you know, give us a, you know, who's a starting caliber, maybe a really good sixth man type guy who would really help this team. Because you can't have Simmons and Claxton on the floor at the same time. You know, you can't have, uh, like, there's so many combinations. He just screws everything up. Even with the Kevin Durant trade, he screws things up. It's just annoying. Uh, and the, when he yeah, dressed, I'm, I'm, like, I'm okay with... with- I'm okay with keeping Simmons if we have Kevin Durant and Kyrie because obviously that defense is needed. Yeah, it's not going to be a, a much um, emphasis on his scoring. But if we move Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons is our best player, like God, like <laughs> this is literally what I was making fun of Sixers fans for a year ago. Yeah, I mean, it, you, I would agree. I Donovan Mitchell, I don't know why the, the Knicks haven't traded for him yet. To be honest, I would give everything. I agree with you. He's good. I don't think he's best player on a championship, but he's like. Really, really, really great number two, in my opinion. I don't know, Josh. What do you think? Since I've yeah, just I just think Donovan Mitchell's the truth. Yeah, I, I just think like you just, like I'm not saying for sure he's the best player on a championship team, but I wouldn't be surprised. You know, we see guys where it's like the stock might fall them a little bit, but all it takes is one playoff run. Um, you know, and you know, what was it two years ago when he went up against you know Denver and Jamal Murray? Like he was. Balling, like, and that's the thing I kind of like about Donovan Mitchell too. Like in the playoffs, he shows up the most. Um, so I'm just a big Donovan Mitchell fan in general. Like he's he's one of my favorite young players in the league. There's a guy I'd trade Simmons for Jamal Murray. I feel like right? He didn't play last year. Maybe his value's down a bit. I would trade him for not that that would ever. I don't think Denver would do that. But you know, with Jokic, he he stretches the floor. Who knows? Maybe Simmons works out there. Now I'm just I, I feel yeah. like I'm Sean Marks pitching trade ideas to people, but. <sighs> frustrating. This was this was fun, guys. I mean, hearing about your team. Rant, I don't think so. I know. think it's miserable talking about the Nets right now. <laughs> All right, it's not much you better know. in Knicks land. Okay, you guys got Jalen Brunson. I just read something today. I'm sorry. 
that he's the first player yeah, well, to be paid a hundred plus million contract without ever being an all star. Read that today. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't think it's terrible. I'm sorry that. <laughs> let me let me speak now. I'm sorry that our off season actually like worked according to plan. <laughs> that you know, like we traded our first round picks and we traded Burks and Noel for absolutely nothing. Even gave the Pistons cash. We gave them cash. All the signed Brunson. Yeah, we actually signed him. You know, our off season plans worked. For you guys, I know it's absolutely opposite. So I, no, I agree, Josh. Uh, this is the best offseason in a long time for the Knicks because it's a bad one for yeah. the Nets, and that's really all that Knicks fans have now is for the Nets to be bad. That's the <laughs> only thing they get pride and joy in. The only thing they care about. It's you know, I actually I I don't understand. Now I this, there's a difference because I like laugh at you know, I, I laugh about it. I, I called Alex immediately. When Kevin Durant requested, a I was trade. in Costco. I almost um, broke down in tears. People were looking. I swear, people is, were looking at me in Costco, and they're saying, "What the hell is wrong with this guy? Why is he like crying right now?" And, and <laughs> well, you had the Kyrie Irving drama, and then it's like he opts in. It's like, all right, baby, we got another year. And then it's like twenty four hours later, it's like Kevin Durant's demanding a trade. It's like, oh my god! It's like I stressed all week, got some joy, and then there it goes. It, it was more. I don't know. I, I don't feel like I'm the, like Alex. I know you think I'm bad just because you're a Nets fan. Like there are worse Knicks fans out there. I like, yes, I celebrate the Nets losses. I think it was the piling on of us having a successful. This is what we came out to do. We signed Brunson plus the same day, two hours before Kevin Durant requested a trade. So, I mean, it's like it was a perfect day for me. But yeah, that's it. I don't want to agree. That's a perfect day for the net uh, for the Knicks fans. <laughs> The way you were just for the people listening, the way Bobby, you were just sitting with just absolutely like the most plainest like faith that that I should I should make that a gift. I used to not hate the Knicks. Knicks fans made me hate the Knicks because it's like exactly. I'm not doing the whole thing. Oh, me? Is that what you're saying? Not as much you, Josh. But it's like anytime I tweet about the Nets or something, it's like I get my mentions get filled with Knicks fans. It's like we get it. You have more fans. Congratulations. Hang the banner. (laughs) <laughs> and, and I mean, the Knicks fans right now that are like completely celebrating, I, I said on, on my Knicks podcast, I was like, calm down. Like, you got to remember, this is Jalen Brunson. This isn't the, the Stephen Curry. He's not the best point yes. guard in the NBA. This isn't like a top He's 12 point top- guard in the NBA. Right. I was like debatably top 10 if you think crazy. He has the upside I, to be, but that's I, like, yeah. Yes. So what I was saying was, you brought in Brunson not to make the playoffs and go for a finals run. You, you you signed Brunson to four years, hoping that in the next couple of years, you can develop a, a team uh, with your young guys and maybe trade for another person. I don't know if they're going to do it this offseason, maybe next offseason. But I, I just think there there's upside to the Knicks. And I think Knicks fans are a little go, going a little too crazy. Maybe if we make it to the playoffs, it's a good year. I mean, this isn't really a, we don't have a playoff team, but it's just, we had a better offseason so far than the Nets did, and, and that I can celebrate because, as you know, the Knicks offseasons in the past, you're, yeah, Bobby, you make a point. They, they have been absolutely horrendous. I mean, this is signing Julius Randle, I think that was last offseason. You guys hate on that guy too much. Deal. How predictable was the, Rand- was the turning on Julius Randle? Like, he got I mean, hyped up yeah. so much. It was, I didn't, you know, I don't I don't tweet about it too much because, like, you know, I understand my my followers are mostly Knicks fans I don't feel like I don't feel like making them despise me but privately I'm like I just I know for a fact this time next year the Knicks fans are going to hate Julius Randle and it's that has happened like he was worse last year but he wasn't that much worse right like I make fun of him just because he's a Knicks but he wasn't that much worse he was bad he was bad he he was what he was his entire career except for one year (laughs) makes a great point uh, yeah, and I just, I I don't know what they're going to do, especially with the whole rumor. It's it's sort of like Kyrie, I, but I don't know. I, I, can't, I don't know if there's a good comparison because he was on the team last year with trade talks going on during the season and him saying he wants out and all these reporters are like, do you not want to be here? Do you not? And like a report was coming out every other week that Randall wants out of, of New York. I was I'm I'm shocked that he's still on the team at this point. It's actually crazy to me that he's still on the team with like all these rumors that happened during the season 
And now I'm expecting him to like go out there and try it all for, for these Knicks fans. Like, I don't even know if he wants to be here right now. I, I, yeah. So there's also, there's Knicks problems too. We can all just cry after the episode. It'll be fine. Yeah. Well, I don't have two star players wanting to leave my team. So you guys don't don't have have any star players. That's what I always keep saying. (laughs) (laughs) Both teams drafted at the same point. It's perfect. It's great. Wait, did Bobby say it at the same time as me? Yes. Well, you yeah. just said I didn't even hear you. <laughs> I mean, Josh put it on a tee for us. Mm. All right. We're past the 45-minute mark. Go <laughs> uh, host on Talking Giants at Civil Man Radio. Follow him on Twitter at Bobby Skinner underscore. Bobby, thank you so much for coming on today, man. Nope. Always a blast. Really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Glad we could get it done, talk a little Giants, and then, uh, then rant about the Nets and then talk some shit on the Knicks. It was a good time. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.